0: Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast that I think sleazy is a very easy word to say. This should hopefully be the last episode we're recording before Corey uh, comes back uh, to take over hosting duties and I can return to my blissful life of just responding to his research rather than having to do a load of it myself. Thankfully, uh, I have Dr. LJ Davis here with us uh, as well. We mentioned on the last episode that we are going to be looking at the sleaze allegations and the attack lines that the Tories are sleazy that Labour have been putting out and whether or not they've been effective, spoiler alert, they haven't, just look at the results of the local elections, but why they've not been effective and what Labour needs to do moving forward. I believe you have some very strong opinions on this subject, so why don't you uh, don't you kick us off here?
1: My general feeling here is that the, the attacks tax on Tory sleaze are not only ineffective but actually counterproductive. I mean the first the first one I would say is that it's an absolute hostage to fortune, right? If you are going to make sleaze the uh, dividing line, you have make, better made sure absolutely, that your whips know every single skeleton in the MPs' cupboards and that there is none that are going to come out. Look at what happened to John Major when he started talking about family values in the mid-90s, and then it was just a succession of sexual scandals uh, affecting MPs. or whilst he was having an affair <laughs> as well. Yes, exactly. That also links to the second point I would make, in a sense. Um, and I don't want to seem to be casting dispersions on the on, people in the party or any other party but there is a certain amount of the public goes well of course they're a politician Um, and it's not linked just to the Tories right that kind of sleaze stuff spatters because it ain't long ago that we had the expenses scandal anyone who is able to vote and is not still a teenager remembers the expenses scandal which touched all parties When you have that kind of anti-politician's mood, it benefits the outsider. And in this instance, the outsider is Boris Johnson. This is what I mean when I say I think actually it's a little bit counterproductive. Um, But I think it does benefit Boris Johnson because of his outside status, even if he's the one generating some of it. And it, it it also applies to Boris Johnson's, let's say, relationship with the truth or lack thereof. In a weird way, it comes across as more authentic. And you see this also very much in a stronger way with Donald Trump. The lies and the corruption are so brazen, and they're said with a knowing smirk, that it almost invites you to come in on the conspiracy. And what I mean is that it plays into this notion that we talked about just a moment ago about all politicians lie. All politicians are corrupt. But hey, I'm doing it in a jokey way. I'm making it obvious. I don't care. Do you really care? It kind of comes across as, yeah, I lie. Yeah, I'm hip- and yeah, I'm corrupt. But so is everyone else, and I'm not hypocritical about it. And it feeds into that authenticity message that they're a different kind of politician. They are authentic, and that is really hard to counteract
0: the most successful politicians these days are characters in in Mm. in their own right not like oh, he's a proper character you know but literal characters like you not you know that in reality boris johnson isn't actually talking about whiff-waff and bumbling away in his private conversations in the way that he does in in public speaking but he's adopting a persona uh, yeah same to a degree with Donald Trump as well though I think there's a bit more of a, a blair blur with reality in the persona there one of the things that came to my mind was like actually professional wrestling which is mm. if you if, if you ever watch professional wrestling you know that the wrestlers have gimmicks like betrayals yeah. of who they are quote-unquote and Nine times out of ten, some of the most successful gimmicks are yourself turned up to ten or eleven. The persona that Johnson has, has has built for himself, the gimmick that he's kind of built for himself over the decades at this point, been done so masterfully that it is very very much just boiled down to, well, of course, like, but it's but it's. But it's Boris Johnson. It's fine because, you know, he's he's that lovable, charming guy who was very entertaining on Have I Got News For You? It's Boris Johnson, but it's fine because he was the mayor of London that got stuck in the on the zip line whilst waving two Union Jack flags during the was that during the Olympics.
1: Now, I mean, all politicians have always had a public persona that is different to their private persona. All people in the public eye do every celebrity, everyone who is of interest to the to the public will have a version of themselves that they present to the public that is different to the version they present to their family or friends at home. But that has become even more universal now because of social media. We all have a public persona that we put out there to the public on social media that is different to how we behave in private life with friends and family around us. There's a certain amount of... um fellow feeling almost generated by that uh, you know oh i rate you your persona is even better than mine that kind of thing and it doesn't feel as false as it perhaps might once have done and i think the second part of of this is that the nod and the wink bit is incredibly important because it invites people in and it creates a connection with them and that's why you see this connection between trump and others and johnson and and people who support him because it's a nod and a wink that says you and me are cleverer than this look at those idiots over there how hypocritical they are they actually believe in themselves they actually believe their self-righteous stick aren't they stupid you and me are much cleverer than that and it's deeply cynical it's also deeply effective um and it creates that bond that says you know you and me know better this stuff absolutely plays into johnson's persona and it allows him to build that connection within people and it allows him to to feed that persona i I think the last sort of point i would make actually is we are again and again talking about the tories you know with this stuff and the focus is on them rather than on us as an alternative and you know this feeds back to a lot of the issues we were talking about in last week's podcast about we keep pointing out the Tories are bad, and yet people don't vote for us based on that. And it goes again into some of the, the fact that people price it in. People expect the Tories to be nasty and slightly corrupt and feather their nests, but they also think that they will run the country better. If we keep going, Tories bad, that does not not win us an election. It never has won us elections. It's not optimistic. It's very lowest common denominator. We will not be corrupt. I mean, that's a really low common denominator and we we need to be have a more positive reason that and you know elections generally are won by the optimistic side including johnson he, he is, you know, very optimistic about the future of the country. I think it was
0: Raphael Baer put out a piece. Um, the reason Labour's doing this is because it's the only Tories that they feel they know how to attack and win against. Because, yes. they, because that's what they were up against un, under Blair. Um, it was, you know, sleazy Tories during the 90s, uh, you know, cash for questions, all of that sort of stuff, active corruption. But even then, I'm sat here kind of going, yeah, that is... Blatantly, what we're doing—we are kind of just once again as a party looked fighting not just the last war, but the last, the, but the last two wars, the and, war before, and, yeah, yeah, the war before last. All of these different things, rather than looking at where the battle lines are now and and trying to to, to advance tactically. The, the the major thing to me is not that you know the Tories were sleazy during that period; it's the fact that the Tories looked incompetent during that period. Mm-hmm. The 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 thing. For the most part, I think that people seem to forget is that that it's the Tories have that reputation of competence, and it's only when they break it that yeah. that that, that Labour tends to get a hearing. What we're not necessarily seeing is uh, currently is actual incompetence. We are seeing what you can describe as sleaze, absolutely, but people don't care
1: we because have seen th- a lot of incompetence. It's just not being. It's been excused to some extent. Now
0: It's also been in the way areas where people aren't going to necessarily be directly affected by it. Yeah, test That's... and
1: trace was a big one. Yeah. But people felt able to excuse it on the grounds of the fact, how could they possibly have foreseen a global pandemic? Now, that is nowhere near a good enough excuse. Our test and trace system has failed beyond any country's test and trace system. It was not fit for purpose. They had opportunities over the last summer to make it fit for purpose and failed to do so. But people are prepared to forgive that because the vaccine rollout has gone well. So their feeling at the moment is that pandemic handling has gone well. The stuff around phishing doesn't affect the vast majority of this country, even though to any rational government responding to a two-day protest about the availability of fishing permits by sending gunboats against the NATO ally might be considered an overreaction. Th- that level of incompetence hasn't affected them. But if you look at this government, with the exception of Michael Gove, I won't say the honourable exception, but the exception of Michael Gove, they are not competent. Dominic, I didn't realise we were an Ireland, Raab is not a competent foreign secretary. Rishi Sunak, we haven't seen, have an opportunity to see whether he's competent or not, really.
0: Uh, and I think with, with Sunak, we kind of have seen his level of competence in that we had eat to, out to eat, it, out. eat out to help yeah. out. And at every opportunity he's had to face public scrutiny, he's sent an underling. Uh, yeah. that, that tells you everything you need to know about his level of, 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 of competence.
1: The, the competent stuff we should hammer, and but that should be the only time we're talking about the Tories. The sleaze stuff... Again, I think it's counterproductive for us to be talking about it. It also makes it a party political point, um, which detracts from its impact. The Times and the Mail were leading on this. Let the Times and the Mail lead on it. right? Let his own camp attack him for it. Refer to it. But also, you know, at PMQs, it's a really obvious attack line. They're going to have been well prepared for it. Use your first question on that. Once you've got that marker down, you know, when Keir said, we've made that note that, you know, you preach the material Code, whatever, flip it to something else that they've not prepared on.
0: Yeah, and that's, um, that's, you that's, know. that's actually something that's really quite interesting in comparison to Starmer's approach now, I feel, at PMQs compared to the early kind of like sets he had, um, where at the beginning, he would dart around questions and it would be obvious that, well, of course, Keir Starmer's going to ask about, you know, whatever the topic of the day was. And then in some instances, he wouldn't. Or he would do just one question and then move on to something completely different. And then you could just see the horror on Boris Johnson's face as he went, I didn't think he was going to ask that. And we've not prepped for that. And because Boris Johnson, for all his strengths in many areas, is not a good thinking uh, good at thinking on his feet he can only fall back that's why he constantly falls back to the same old tropes and it's just like well you were against brexit or you voted for this and it's just like well no actually we didn't or we did vote for that and we supported you so what are you all talking about we should be talking more about what we want to do we should be setting out that vision i mean again on like the, the last episode where we were delving into the uh the results of the local elections. Um, you know, you you pose the pose the point of what are the five things that Keir Starmer stands for? Keir Starmer's Labour stands for, and you know, neither of us could come up with anything because that that hasn't been set out. So, I suspect because that hasn't been set out, that's why they've been trying to lean into this, like oh oh sleaze. And, uh, sleaze, uh, sleaze line because it's it's familiar. It's nice. It makes us as a, as left wingers feel feel really really nice. And uh, like hand on heart, I'm as guilty of this as anybody else. Like I'm sure if somebody got a hold of my my WhatsApp messages to people or kind of read through my Twitter timeline, like they'd find me kind of saying this is outrageous. All of those different things. Johnson's got to be done for this. You know, latching on to whatever small poll shifts I could see as 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 proof yeah. to, for my narrative because like. I'm aware of like the bubble I mean all of these things doesn't mean I'm not part of one. Um, yeah. And
1: you know, just being I, human.
0: Yeah, yeah, order. absolutely. Like, I'm, like one of the things is me, me and Corey have always tried to be aware of our limitations in that regard. And also just hold our hands up and go, yep, we got that wrong rather than doubling down. Um, yeah. And on this, it's entirely possible that if you went back and took a look, like as much as I'm saying these things now, I did actually get it wrong, but because I'm just viewing everything through, the one let my what my one lens i'm not even necessarily re- realizing how out i was in terms of public perception yeah. at the time so i'm sat here kind of going going well i was a bit off but you know what my the general point still stands or whatever it's like actually i could be completely
1: out
0: yeah. the window you know
1: For listeners who are hearing cat bells and things like that our our, uh, our cat Lily is currently being very much a pest and wanting attention and fuss so uh, apologies if you're hearing little jingle bells in the background of the podcast uh,
0: It's fine Lily has just officially become the not enough champagne cat
1: Yeah we, we, we have three so you, you know, yeah Lily's the one for it Lily Lily is a little bit neurotic um, <laughs> Adorable cat I love the cat to bits but but she is a little bit neurotic um, Yes Yes yeah, I think I think there's a certain link to the podcast with that. <laughs> She's a good substitute for Corey.
0: <laughs> I think we'll leave that there. Watch for what. Hopefully, it's the final time. I just need to remember what the outro is. So this is. If you want to hear more of us, you can, or can find out more from us, you can go to notenoughchampagne.com. You can follow us on Twitter at nochampagne pod you can head over to patreon uh patreon.com slash not enough champagne where you can throw us a couple of quid every month to help run the podcast and cover our costs um, where you gain access to unique episodes uh as well as uh, a few other bits and pieces uh, like roundtable discussions and things like that um you can head over to facebook.com slash not enough champagne uh james cram designed our logo dave depper did our theme song plucky good times I'm Steve Haynes. I am at Acoustic Radical on Twitter. LJ. I am at LJD Labour. Happy plotting.